Hey, good morning, everybody. It is Friday. Oh, I got to turn my volume off. There we go. I have, I have my phone so I can see who's logging on. And of course, my mom is the first one. And uh, morning, mom. Love you. Um, so it's Friday morning, and uh, this is Pastor Lenny, and thank you for joining. I truly love and appreciate each and every one of you. No, Lori is not with me. Lori is still in Exeter, New Hampshire. She's helping out Stephen, my son Stephen, and my daughter-in-law Holly. Uh, she just delivered baby uh, Iris Lou. So Lori's helping out there, but she should be leaving sometime today between 11 o'clock and, and noon. And I can't wait. I made her a, a special dish. I would let you guys know what it is, but then she should be, she would be hearing it. But I'll let my mother know. I'll, I'll let my mother know in secret. And this is a secret, Mom. You told me that Chris wanted it for his birthday. And so you, Debbie, him, he, 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 he helped prepare it, but you, you'll know what I'm talking about. But I don't want to spoil the surprise for Lori. I have no idea how it's going to come out. But, Mom, you know, and we'll let everybody else know on Tuesday. So, anyway, I love you. I love you guys, and uh, so appreciative of, of everything you do for Lori and I and for New Life Church. Thank you very much. From the bottom of our hearts, we tell you we love you. And, um, you know, on Fridays, usually, it's the only day I do mention, um, you know, for those that uh, want to bless us, bless the ministry, and support the ministry financially. You can easily do it by visiting our new website. Our new website will, will have live feeds, live streams. It will have recorded videos. And it will have a section on where you can um, give or partner with us. And so it's right there on the, on, the, um, on the website and it's on the screen. So anyway, um, today we're going to finish up some thoughts on... <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to finish some thoughts on um, covenant. You know, uh, do you know like the overwhelmingly majority of believers, and I'll use the term loosely, in like in these United States, in this part of the world, they believe and adhere to the fact that miracles have ceased. Miracles have stopped. And, you know, there's lots of believers, again, loosely, who are of one background, and they always speak against believers from another background. For instance, you know, I, I, I don't know, Charismatics, Pentecostals, uh, word of faith. I mean, they always get hammered. Well, you know, sometimes there's sensationalism. Okay. Sometimes there is. But let me tell you something. The miracles that take place at those meetings is real. Is real and undeniable. You might not like how people jump, how people dance, how people, you know, shout. You know, I'm a dancer, I'm a shout or whatever, but, you know, 
You might not like the sensationalism. And I, and I don't know who's listening to this outside of those who are within our fellowship and believe the way we do. But I've been to many of those meetings. And yeah, I thought sometimes it was a little much. But one thing I could not deny, and that was the miracles that took place. The miracles that I saw. Miracles of people who attended the meetings with me, who I knew, who I knew were healed at that meeting. Healings that have taken place in my life. Healings that have taken place in my family's lives. Please, you're going to try to tell somebody the day of miracles is over. Go find someone else because you're not going to get anywhere with this believer. And I want to let you know something. <clears throat> Even the denomination that I was involved with for 25 or 30 years, um, in, some, in, some, in some ways held to this position. You know, and I'm starting to understand why. There seems to be two schools of thoughts. Now here it is. This is devotional time, but it's also teaching time. It kind of lets you guys understand what takes place, what's happened. You see, you have the Word of God, you have the Bible, and there's basically two ways believers or peoples or groups look at this, this Bible. And this is why it's so critical not to get hung up on a translation, because translations are translated by people who adhere to these different philosophies and, and theologies, and of course when it comes time to to interpreting it, they're going to select words and they're going to select thoughts and thinking and whatnot that's going to support what they believe. You see, if, if I'm going to interpret something and I know I am fixed in what I believe, how am I going to interpret it, you know, and, and, and interpret it against what I believe and what I stand for? It, it's not going to happen. It can't happen and it doesn't happen. This is why you have to know what you believe and know where you stand. So there's basically two, two, two standings. And this is where the problem comes from for those believers who have a problem with us believers. <laughs> They're dispensationalists. And, you know, I remember I went to a Bible college many, many years ago. In Springfield, Missouri, Central Bible College, and we were taught dispensationalism. And what dispensationalism means is that there's no connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, basically, God acts in various ways in different dispensations. That's why you see an angry God of the Old Testament, okay? And now a, a loving God filled with grace and mercy in the New Testament. It's like it's two different gods. No, it's not. It's progressive revelation. It's a progressive understanding. It's a progressive unfolding. But God has never changed. God has never changed. He used men who he can, he can speak to at the time with their understandings. And, and, and he unfolded a message. Now, it wasn't dispensations, like the dispensation of law, 
the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, the dispensation of grace. Because when dispensations come, then they get replaced by a disp another dispensation and, you know, until another dispensation comes. And many who adhere to dispensationalism, like I said, don't believe, you know, in the unfolding of a message or of the same message that's all throughout the scriptures. They believe in dispensations. And they believe that the dispensation of miracles, the Holy Spirit, has ceased. Because they're dispensationalists. Now, Pastor Lenny is not a dispensationalist at all anymore. What I am is an adherer to covenant theology. The scriptures are about covenants. Covenants. And some covenants are replaced and some covenants are not. For instance, the covenant that God made with Noah is not to be replaced ever. And that is that God will never ever destroy the world, creatures, and its inhabitants again. The covenant he made with David is it, it stands to this day. A descendant of David will sit on his throne and of his kingdom there will be no end. Covenant theology. The law, the covenant of law, the Mosaic law, was a covenant that is no longer in place because Christ fulfilled the covenant of law. He fulfilled the requirements of the law and he nailed those requirements that were against us, contrary to us, to the cross, canceling them out because he lived a perfect and sinless life as a man. And now he died and was raised from the dead in righteousness and by faith we died with him and we were raised as new creations and are righteous right alongside with him. So we entered into covenant, into the covenant of grace. And this covenant of grace has not been replaced and will not be replaced. And we're going to tell you why. And this covenant of grace provides all the benefits and all the promises of all the covenants that have come before it. This is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, and we've talked about this, for in Christ all the promises are yes and amen. All right? Now, thank God we also have Paul. You see, I adhold to the, to the belief and the theory that all you have to do is read the Bible. The Bible will take care of dispensationalism. The Bible will take care of, you know, covenant theology. Just read the Bible. And I scratch my head, well, you know what, for 30 years. I mean, I read the Bible, but I missed it. But now, because my, my, my eyes have been enlightened, you know, I scratch my head and I'm like, how can they miss it? How can they miss it when the Apostle Paul says, all scripture is inspired. All scripture, he says, Timothy, you know the holy scriptures, how they make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. For all scripture is inspired. What scriptures are, is he talking about? He certainly wasn't talking about the New Testament. He was talking about the Old Testament, the five books of, of, of Moses, you know, the Pentateuch. He was talking about the prophets. He was talking about the Psalms. 
He was talking about how all of scriptures, which dispensationalists don't believe this, all scriptures pointed to the same thing, to the same person, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. It also, he also tells us through his writings where he talks about the rock that was in the wilderness that followed the children of Israel, where, that, that provided them water. He also show, shows us, showed us that, that you know, the serpent that was raised up was, was the picture of Christ. He showed us so many of types and shadows. And in Hebrews it says, in the previous days, God spoke to us in shadows, in types, in images, in pictures, pointing to the one now, now we have the fullness of that picture in his son, Jesus Christ. So we are covered in theologists. Uh, we, we adhere to coveted theology. And we're going to talk about covenant a little bit more because as, I, as I've been studying this out for two or three weeks, it has just been, just been blessing me. And I've been, seeing, I've been seeing faith rising up, being birthed from within, and seeing miracles take place. But we want to look at Joshua chapter 10, verse 8. And Joshua chapter 10, uh, verse 13. And this is what it said. The Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have handed them over to you. Not one of them shall stand before you. Now, this is God telling this to Joshua because Joshua made a covenant with the Gibeonites. We talked about that, the power of covenant. But now because Joshua was in covenant with God, if you fought Joshua, you had to fight God. This is the power of covenants. None of them shall stand before you. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who inflicted a great slaughter on them at Gibeon. Chased them by the way of the ancient, uh, of the ascent of Beth Haran, and struck them down as far as Azekah, Makeda. And they fled before Israel. While they were going down the slope of Beth Haran, the Lord threw, threw, <laughs> the Lord threw down huge stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah. And they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the Israelites killed with the sword. The power of a covenant. Joshua made it with Gibeon. So now you're seeing the power of the covenant. Covenants cannot be broken. And Joshua had a covenant with God. And so God fought for Joshua, who fought for the Gibeonites. The power of a covenant. So now you can see why God, because now God, in all essence, because of he was in covenant with Joshua, was in covenant with the Gibeonites. So now you can see the power of a covenant, why, why the drought on the land came and the famine came on the land, and, and David said, Lord, what, what did we do? And he said, it's not what you did, it's what Saul did by trying to wipe out the Gibeonites. Oh. <gasps> And then we, we shared about how the Gibeonites asked for seven descendants of Saul. They placed them on a tree where they were hung. And that's where Deuteronomy chapter 21 comes in and says, Cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. 
We talked about how Jesus became a curse because he died on a tree, but he removed the curse of the law, L-A-W, law, Mosaic law of sin and of death from us. Powerful. But I wanted to share something that I, I alluded to, the, to yesterday. And this is the power of a covenant. And I'm especially speaking to wives and husbands right now, but also if you're a single parent, all right, to you as a single parent. This is the power of a covenant. I don't have time to do it, but I want you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, especially verses 10 through 16. And here is where Paul addresses husband and wife, believer and non-believer. Believer and non-believer. I want to talk about the fact that Paul brings out the most solemn, the most important, the most critical covenant we have as individuals is that with God. Is that with God. The second greatest covenant we have, the second most solemn covenant we have with God is marriage. The covenant of marriage between our spouse, between a husband, a man, and a wife. Let's not get that wrong. Let's not make any mistakes about that. That is a vitally important covenant, especially before God. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not divorce. You know, God said to, 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 the, to the Pharisees, because of the hardness on your of the hardness of your hearts, the hardness of your hearts, Moses had an allowance for it. And that was Paul is also talking about. That's when the unbeliever leaves. He says, I don't want to live in this marriage anymore. She says, I don't want to live in this marriage anymore. I'm not going to live with you. You're a Christian. You're, you've made covenant with God. And I will not live with you because of that. Boom. That's what Paul's talking about. But Paul also is talking about the fact that if the believing spouse wants to remain with the believing spouse, the non-believer with the believer, then let it be. Because you never know. You never know what's going to happen. And it also goes on to say that the believing, this is the power of a covenant. See, if you're a believing spouse, all right, if you're the believing spouse and you're in covenant with God, this portion of scripture says the believing spouse sanctifies, sanctifies, just like the believing spouse is, sanctified, justified, the believing spouse sanctifies and justifies the non-believing spouse. Power of a covenant. Not only that, but the believing spouse sanctifies the children. The power of a covenant. Now, the reason why I talked about this is because there was a question brought up in one of our school settings. What if, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to Bible college and I'm going to Bible college and da, 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 and my, my husband wants me to leave. He wants me to give this up because it's, it's, it's interfering with our marriage. You know what I say? Leave the school. Leave the Bible college. 
He's not asking you to renounce your faith in Jesus Christ. She's not asking you to renounce your faith in Jesus Christ. She's not asking you. He's not asking you to deny the Lord. He's not asking you. She's not asking you to not deny your faith. They're saying this relationship, not, not a covenant, this relationship is getting in the way of our relationship. Well, guess what? As a husband and a wife, you need to honor that. You need to honor that. Husbands, you need to love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave his life up for it. Wives, you're supposed to love your husbands as, as the heads of the home. And, and, and if you're the believer and he's not the believer, you have to trust that, that when you're in covenant with God, he stands for you. And he'll influence your unbelieving spouse. But don't ever question the power of a covenant. Your covenant with God and your second most important covenant, your covenant with your spouse. God will honor you as you honor your covenant with your spouse and as you remain in covenant with him. I hope, this make, I hope that makes sense. It ho I hope it makes sense. But now, we want to talk about why. Dispensationalists, dispensationalism, it doesn't have a leg to stand on. Covenant theology, we are in covenant and it will never, ever change, never, ever be altered we talked about yesterday how it is a faultless covenant. There are no faults in it. And why? Because our Jesus was flawless. And when we became united with him, he made us flawless. So we have a faultless covenant because we are flawless before. And here's some other reasons. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 21 through 24. But with Jesus, God affirmed his royal priesthood with his promise saying, the Lord has made a solemn oath and will never change his mind. Hebrews chapter seven, verse 21 and 24. I'm gonna read this again. But with Jesus, God affirmed his royal priesthood with his promise saying, this is beautiful guys. The Lord has made a solemn oath and will never change his mind. <laughs> Can you say it any better than that? Once, once I have sworn by my holiness, I cannot lie. Psalm 89, 35. Psalm 89, 34. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the words that come forth from my mouth. God did never break the covenant of law. Jesus came and fulfilled it. Once God makes a covenant and swears by his holiness, he cannot lie. Listen to this again. The Lord has made a solemn oath and will never change his mind. He will never change his mind on this one. Faultless and flawless. You are a king priest forever, my son. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So all of this magnifies the truth that we have a superior covenant with God than what they ever experienced. And 
what present day quote believers will ever experience for Jesus himself is its guarantee guarantor as additional proof we know there were many priests under the old system listen to this listen to this please listen to this for they eventually died and their office had to be filled with another do you understand that do you hear that but Jesus permanently <clears throat> holds his priestly office since he lives forever and will never have a successor of his kingdom there will be no end and of this covenant of grace there will be no end all you have to do is read the Bible it's an everlasting and eternal covenant that will never end and you look at what the covenant has provided all the promises all the promises of every covenant prior in Christ Jesus all the promises are yes and amen promises of healing promises of protection promises of financial blessing all you have to do is read the Bible I hope today blessed you I hope you you know you're gaining an understanding of the power and prominent prominence of your covenant gaining confidence hearing about what Jesus has done your perfect high priest who will live forever and that faith springing forth and that faith bring being birth takes you to that place where now you believe in your heart and you speak your mind is becoming renewed your soul is becoming renewed and now your body will become trans, trans, translated, uh, transfigured, transformed. The transformation will take place. This is Pastor Lenny saying I love you. And uh, if you're in the area, come and visit us on Sunday. Okay, this will be the last time we'll be meeting at 10 o'clock. Starting in March, we'll be meeting at 10.15, even on our live broadcasts. Come and join us at 10. If you can't, look for us on our website. We'll be there with live stream. Once the music is over, you can find us also on Facebook. We love you. We're praying for you. We're standing for you. And uh, we'll see you Sunday, if not Sunday. We'll see you Tuesday morning. Walk in your blessings.